thank you so much, Timothy, for that too kind introduction. Thanks for, for hosting me and uh, welcoming me here and my, and my family as well and the community. Uh, I want to say a special uh, shout out and thank you to Pastor Daniel, wherever you are. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, really um, honored uh, and grateful to be able to speak to you uh, here this morning. I have um, had the pleasure uh, and the privilege of preaching uh, in a lot of different churches. And as Timothy just said, I preach pretty regularly at uh, Duke Divinity School. And, and we have a, a few Duke folks uh, here in the community as well. I'm glad to uh, be joined here by my colleague, Dr. Brent Strawn, who you've heard from before. Um, and, uh, but preaching here at Christ Central Church is special for me for the reason that Timothy just said, that uh, we've enjoyed being uh, friends and part of this community uh, among other churches that we're uh, you know, partners with. Uh, I'm also uh, an Anglican priest, and I serve uh, the Anglican uh, theological program at Duke Divinity School. Uh, but uh, one of the things that's uh, nearest to my heart and one of my core values uh, is the unity and the singularity of Christ's church, right? There is only one church. There is only one body of Christ. So it's always a grace and a gift uh, to be able to share the gospel, to receive uh, God's ministry, uh, and to have fellowship with people. And I just, I love the way that you all here at Christ Church, like you just did just now, are praying for churches all around town. What a sign of Christ's peace and the unity that he calls us to. So I'm just delighted to uh, be with you here um, this morning. Will you stand as I read our scripture passage for this morning? As you know, we're in this sermon series on one another, life together, life in community, as Timothy just said. And our theme today uh, is serving one another. So here's our passage from Galatians chapter 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. However, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, our God, we praise your name. Your name is exalted through all the earth. We give you thanks uh, for calling us to be your people, for calling us together here this morning to be your church in this place. And thank you now, Lord, for your word to us through St. Paul and the letter to the Galatians. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, our lips, and empower our hands and our lives to be your servants, even your slaves, that we may serve one another, be slaves to one another in that radical posture that we call love. Lord, move us now. Speak to us in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you were following along in the bulletin, you might have noticed that what I just read was a little different from what you just read. My focal verse for this morning's sermon is this phrase in Galatians 5.13, through love 
be slaves to one another. And that's actually what Paul wrote. That's what the Greek says. Sometimes it's translated serve one another, and it means that. We're going to talk about serving one another. But let's start with the actual words that Paul wrote. Be slaves to one another. Now, we're only about three minutes into the sermon. It's probably more than that. I should keep time. Sometimes I lose track. Sorry. Uh, We're only about three minutes or more into the sermon, and already... I hope your interest is piqued and maybe you're a little shocked. Shocked especially in our place and time with everything that we've been going through as a society and tragically are still going through as a society in terms of racial discrimination and violence. But all, sadly, it's an awakening also. I mean, it's sad because uh, so many of us, I say us as a white person, so many of us have been ignorant of the consequences of the history of slavery in our own country. But not all of us are ignorant about that, are we? Right? Because some of us come from places of privilege and systemic privilege, and others suffer. And it's not just white and black. You know, and you all have had a wonderful ministry and discussion about this here at Christ Central Church. It's one of the great gifts and blessings of this church, isn't it? Attention to multicultural, real Christian identity and being a church together and dealing with the pains and the redemption from American racism. So when we hear St. Paul this morning say, be slaves to one another, well, I think that's kind of an arresting word, isn't it? And that's just the point. We're supposed to be arrested and a little challenged by this commandment. It's easy to think about being in community or being nice to one another. You know, sometimes I think that being nice is one of the greatest enemies to being a real Christian. Is that we're just supposed to be nice. And, okay. Uh, serving, being in community, and being nice can seem easy. But the gospel and God's intention for us in our relationships with one another is much more radical than that. This word this morning is not just about, oh, what are we supposed to be as a church? This word goes to the very core of who we are as Christians, who we're supposed to be in contradistinction to the world. Through love, become slaves to one another. That's a pretty radical vision. It's not exactly the American way, is it? The American way is me first and get ahead and make as much money as I can. And who cares about my neighbor and what's going on? And I don't want those people or that school or community center in my neighborhood, blah, 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 blah. Through love be slaves to one another. This week as I was watching some of the news um, go by, I couldn't help but feel how contrary our lesson this week is to what's going on just this very week in our own society. I was so discouraged to read about the continuing income gap. And there was a story a day or two ago that even through the pandemic, with all the economic suffering that there's been, CEOs of American corporations still make gazillions more dollars than anybody else in their company. 
not to mention everybody else in the society. I was encouraged, though, by uh, the initiatives towards trying to get uh, ourselves and uh, our neighbors around the world to think more seriously and take more action on preserving our climate, trying to stop pollution. There's an example of trying to cooperate and maybe serve one another. But what about us? It's not just the newspapers. It's not just the ills of society out there. It's also the ills in our own heart that keep us from serving one another. And that's one of the things I'm going to focus on uh, in the sermon today. I want to focus with you about what does it mean, what does it look like to be slaves to one another as God calls us? What are the obstacles to real life together, real Christ-like community? And what are some of the confusions? Sometimes we mistake false substitutes for actual serving one another. So it's a surprising term, be slaves to one another, but it's not just Paul. This repeats the language that Jesus himself used in the famous passage in Mark chapter 10. You remember Jesus has just predicted his passion and resurrection three times in the very next passage. Without missing a beat, Jesus has been talking about everything that he's going to go through for us and our salvation. And then Mark tells us James and John were arguing uh, and come to Jesus and say, hey, that's all well and good, but can we sit at your right and left hand and be in your glory? Right? And then Jesus goes on to give this wonderful and difficult teaching about service. You know that among the Gentiles, those that they recognize as their rulers lord it over them. Speaking of domination. They lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it's not so among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all. There's that same word. We're called to be servants and slaves of one another. The idea of being a slave to one another and even being a slave to God and to Christ, it gets, as I said, to the core of our very identity, of who we are as Christians. And it shows, I want to suggest two things this morning. It shows the radical conversion that God wants to work out in our lives, converting us from the way of the world. And secondly, it shows the radical difference between Christ's church and the world in which we live. Radical conversion and radical difference from the world. Now, based on what I've just said, we may be thinking about slavery to one another and even slavery to God in terms that are maybe even dark, that are challenging, disturbing, and that you may be thinking that I'm going to tell you, well, you've got to give it all up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and that you have to make some great revolution in your life and do all kinds of self-help in order to turn yourself around 
to fit in the right shape that God wants you to be. And nothing could be farther from the truth. So there's another surprise here in Paul's message to us. How in the world are we going to become servants and slaves to one another? The answer is we can't. We can't. We cannot be slaves to one another no matter how hard we try. Let's follow along with St. Paul in the argument of the letter to the Galatians. Our, our verse today, Galatians 5.13. I want to look at Paul's argument in chapters 4 and 5 especially. You may remember it. If you don't, here's some highlights. It's not what you might expect based on this verse. Paul has been arguing actually that Christians, those of us who call in the name of Jesus, we ourselves We were slaves, but the wrong kind. We were enslaved, Paul says, to the elemental spirits of the universe. We were enslaved to beings, things that are not gods, enslaved to all kinds of things. In the letter to the Romans, Paul speaks about we were enslaved to sin. So we're actually quite familiar with being slaves. You may think you're not a slave, but you've been a slave since you were born. None of us is free from being under the power of another thing. There's no such thing as an autonomous human being. There's no such thing as an independent, self-directing, self-sustaining human being. But that can sound sort of neutral. In Paul's view, it's actually much darker than that. We, apart from the grace of Christ, we are enslaved to the forces of darkness, to the force and the power of sin. It's kind of like an active power in our lives, and it's an active power in the world. Read the newspaper again if you don't believe me. So we were enslaved to these things. Secondly, God's people Israel, and all of us were grafted into the people Israel. So whenever uh, the Bible talks about Israel, the Old and the New Testament, that's about us too as Christians, right? God's people Israel, the beginning of God's covenant, God's relationship, especially with His people. Israel, Paul says, was under the tutelage of the law, right, like a disciplinarian, keeping us in check to some extent until the fullness of time. But in the fullness of time, finally, God sent His Son, His own Son, born of a woman, to redeem us and to make us, get this, no longer slaves but children. Children of God for the first time. We used to be creatures and we used to be slaves, but now we are children of God because of Christ. And so we are justified by faith through grace. We're justified by the faith of Christ, not by our works, not even the works of the Mosaic law, as good and beautiful as the law is, but we're justified only by faith in Christ. 
And then through all of this, chapter 5, verse 1, Christ has set us free for freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now we're talking. Now we can get serious. Because we who were enslaved to all the wrong things have been set free by God and Jesus Christ, free to be children of God, free to serve God, which we were unable to do before. Now we're cooking. So we are free. We're free in Christ Jesus. And we're called and commanded to then become, again, now slaves to one another. No longer slaves to the darkness, but slaves to one another. How does that work? Well, I've already mentioned Jesus' story in Mark 10. I want to pull another one from John chapter 13. As I said a moment ago, we can't do this. So don't hear this command, be slaves to one another, as a human command. It's not. It's a command of God, and it's a command that's enabled only by God. When the hour had come for Jesus to be betrayed... John tells us he loved his disciples unto the end. He loved them. His love came first. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, Jesus got up from the table, and you know the story, took a towel, took off his outer tunic, got down on his knees, washed his disciples' feet. And you remember Peter's reaction. Peter would have none of it. He was scandalized. He says, no, oh, no, Lord, I should be washing your feet. And here's the point for us. We might think that we should be washing each other's feet all the time or washing Jesus' feet if we could, because we're so great and we're nice. Remember I told you how nice we are. No, we can't. Jesus says to Peter, No, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no share in me at all. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus says again in Mark 10 that we are to be servants and even slaves of one another. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all. Why? For the Son of Man came not to serve, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, what we're called to this morning being servants and slaves of one another is we're simply being called to be Christians. We're being called to be followers of Jesus. We're called to live in the shape of Jesus' life. If we're not servants and slaves of one another, we don't have a lot to do with Jesus. And he is the source. Be slaves to one another is a response, a direct response 
to who God is for us and what God has done for us. This is the sense in which we are free. We are free, first of all, with God and from God and for God, and we're free to serve. And now let's talk a little more about what does that mean for ourselves as servants and even slaves. Well, it is supposed to be a challenging word in the other sense as well. If you collect out of the different passages from Scripture about service and being slaves, they tend to come when people like James and John, which could just as easily have been us, when people are trying to do other things. So what do we try to do instead of being slaves to one another? Sometimes we desire greatness or superiority over others. We cannot be slaves to one another if we think of ourselves as superior or better than other people. Sometimes we desire glory or recognition, a la James and John this morning. We want recognition and status. We want to be seen. It's a special temptation of the social media age, isn't it? But it's not new. It's as old as humankind. We want other people to praise us instead of praising God. In Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the scribes and Pharisees. It's another one of those passages where he says, the greatest must be the servant of all. The humble will be exalted. And the obstacle there was hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees and their burdensomeness on other people, trying to push other people too hard and boss them around. That's not service. The domination of other people in any form is an obstacle and an anathema to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with who we're called to be. So back to the language of slavery in our own painful time and society. Jesus and Paul and other apostles use this metaphor to describe our radical dependence on God and our radical obedience, but also our radical service to one another. And I want to make it very clear, because we need to use this language. It's very important language for us as Christians. But here's our distinctiveness, our radical distinctiveness from the world. As you can already tell, we are commanded never, ever to dominate other people. God forbid in Jesus' name. We are forbidden to lord it over them, to play master to some other person. We are forbidden to do that. Rather, our identity as slaves of Christ and slaves of one another is always voluntary. That's our freedom. When I choose to be a slave, a servant to my neighbor, to be a neighbor to my neighbor, it's always my choice. I have to voluntarily submit my will to the will of another. So don't ever be fooled that the gospel of Jesus Christ has anything to do with the powers of domination and oppression that we see too often in the world. 
Well, this brings me then to what are the false substitutes of serving one another, being slaves to one another. There are several false substitutes. The first, as I was just intimating, is the idea that to be a slave to my neighbor, I have to have no will or no purpose or no direction in my life. The idea that, you know, Christians not only are supposed to be nice all the time, but we're supposed to be like a doormat and let people walk all over us or to be a kind of milk toast personality. That's not at all what Jesus or Paul are commanding us to. Another thing that our identity as slaves has nothing to do with is being a victim or being manipulated by other people. Let me say that again. Being a servant and a slave out of love of neighbor has nothing to do with being a victim or being manipulated by other people. It is a free offering of love for the good of the other. Christian love, becoming slaves to one another, begins with our identity in God and with the mission that God has given you and given me in this life and the gifts that God has given us. Be slaves to one another, in other words, begins with our identity as beloved children of God. And that's the reason why whenever we fall short of serving one another, that's the reason. Because we have forgotten that we are beloved children of God. We have forgotten that Jesus is the one who came to serve. We've forgotten who God is and who we are in God's hands. God has called us. God has reconciled us. God means to heal us and cause us to flourish. So finally then, the meaning and the focus of our lives as serving one another. For a Christian, the meaning of life is to give all that we are, to give our entire lives as an offering first back to God, who we can never repay. It's not a payment, it's a gesture of love. To give our whole lives as an offering of thanksgiving and praise back to God and to give our whole lives to our neighbors and to the world that is so broken, to our friends and to our enemies. I find this command to love our neighbor, even to be slaves to one another, this is so refreshing among other reasons because it gets us out of our heads and out of our feelings, away from focusing on ourselves can be a little exhausting, can it? Gets us focusing on our neighbor, focusing on others, focusing on reality, something outside us. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, don't waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor in terms of affection or whether you even like them. Don't waste your time with that. Just start acting as if you did. 
That is healing medicine for all of our narcissism and our self-concern. There are many ways to serve each other and to be slaves for one another. There's another trap there, too, to imagine there's only one way. We need to be serving one another and even slaves as a laborer, a parent, a governor, an artist, a judge, a pastor, a teacher, and on and on and on. There are a million ways to serve one another, but the point is always to be serving the other. Note this, the measure of our service of one another is not what they tell us, not how I feel about it, as I was just saying. The measure of my love of my neighbor is the good of my neighbor and their growth in the Lord. That's the only measure. St. Paul tells us that love builds up. Serving one another does not always mean what my neighbor demands of me or even what my neighbor might even think they need. It's what my neighbor really needs. Sometimes it is what they think they need. The measure of our love is the good of our neighbors. Love builds up. It actually contributes to someone's growth in Christ and as a beloved creature and child of God. There's another measure, too, that I want to leave you with as a question. How are we doing as serving one another and being slaves to one another? The question is this. How do the places that we've been, our communities, our situations, our families, our institutions, how do they look when we've gone away? Have they benefited from our presence? Are they better? Are other people better off for our having been there? That's a great measure of the good life. Is the place, did I leave the place better than the way I found it? That's what we're supposed to be living for. So the question, friends, is what has God made you to be and given you to do and gifted you for that will bring you into the deepest contact with the flourishing and the development and the faith of other people? What has God made you to be, given you to do, and gifted you for that will bring you into the deepest contact with the development, flourishing, and faith of others? There's little ways every day, and they change day to day, but there's also that long-term picture. When you look back, what has your life been? What's been the meaning of your life in Christ? The answer to the question for us this morning is, through love, be slaves to one another. Will you pray with me? 
Oh Lord, our God, we're astounded by the mercy that you have shown us in calling your people Israel, but above all in uh, the incarnation, the Word made flesh of your Son, Jesus, who you sent, not to be served, but to serve, to show us the way of life and peace, to show us what real life and real community looks like. O oh Lord, and we see when we look into the face of the crucified and risen Savior, we see that we are called by His power to follow Him in lives of service, even to be slaves of one another. Lord, deliver us from our blindness, from our selfishness, from our anger, and from our lusts. Deliver us, O oh Lord, so that we can truly see one another and live in praise and thanksgiving to you above all, and secondly, in love and service to one another. Lord, may the place be better for us having been there. We cannot do this on our own but we cast ourselves on your mercy and we trust that you want to work your image in us, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in his name that we ask it. Amen.